finding a woman to put on a flyer amongst a group of men, that's a different intention than you and what Trillium Network seems to be doing in being intentional about going out so that women's voices are being heard. And mom is right in that we are still in the infancy of that stage, I think. You're listening to Making It in Ontario, the official podcast of the Trillium Network for Advanced Manufacturing. Hello and welcome to Making It in Ontario, the official podcast of the Trillium Network for Advanced Manufacturing. I am your official host, Nick Persichilli. And in today's episode, Shannon and I sat down with Kim and Simi Tiara from Acetronic Industrial Controls to discuss two things, the challenges of doing business during COVID-19 and their opinions on Trillium's recent report on gender diversity in Ontario manufacturing. Kim is the president and second-generation owner of the business, and her daughter, Simi, who broke mat leave to talk to us, by the way, currently has the title of Director of Outside Sales. However, as she pointed out in the interview, that title changes often. Now, I first got to know Kim in my early days at the APMA. She was always a vocal advocate for her sector, an excellent representative of her company, and just a smart business person. Even in my early days at the APMA, I found her to be approachable, kind, and always willing to chat, which made my early days there a lot easier. In fact, I even managed to get her on my old podcast at the APMA. Unfortunately, I got bogged down in my day-to-day, and I wasn't able to edit those episodes. So I'm very glad that I got a second chance to talk to her, as her insights have grown even more relevant. And as mentioned, we were also joined by her daughter, Simi. Now the third generation of TR is involved in Astronic. And we also got to meet her adorable son, Danny. But we'll come back to that in a sec. I got an education that day on what it's like for a lot of women, not just in manufacturing, but in the workforce. Now, at that table that day, I was the only white male. At no point did I feel threatened. I never worried that my points weren't going to be heard. I wasn't worried about being sexualized. I wasn't worried about fitting in. As a man, I never really have to worry about any of these things. But for a lot of women, these issues represent real barriers to career advancement. Kim and Simi gave me some examples, vivid examples, of how they themselves were treated by some of the men they've worked with in the past. I cannot believe some of the disgusting crap they have been told while on the job. I don't know who needs to hear this, but letting a female colleague know she has good after-sex hair is not okay. While Kim and Simi are both part of the same family, working for the same company, and yes, they're both women, there are stark differences between how Kim deals with these issues and how Simi deals with them. Kim's strategy has historically been to simply ignore any comments that she found to be unproductive. This saved the men she was forced to deal with some face as they didn't need to deal with their asinine comments. Kim chose to internalize, but Simi is a different generation. If you've made her feel uncomfortable, she will let you know. It's an interesting generational evolution which made for an excellent conversation on the subject. But back to Simi's son, Danny an adorable little boy we got to meet after the podcast was recorded and we shut the mics down. So when we were done recording, I began the arduous task of tearing down my recording equipment, which anyone who's ever had to do that knows it's an arduous task. I asked Kim to pass me some hand sanitizer. Kim asked what I needed it for, and I explained that I needed it to disinfect my guests' metal pop screens. At that moment, Danny was brought in and we all fawned over the adorable apple-cheeked baby, and rightly so, because he was very cute. 
Before I could continue with my teardown of equipment, I noticed Kim had already begun cleaning my pop screens. She's not a sound engineer. This isn't her equipment. She just did it. She quickly understood what my procedure was and went ahead and lightened my load. It's the way she is as a person. It's the way she works as a business owner. And it's the way she's making it in Ontario. So not only are we good, we're actually rolling now. Oh. So thanks, everyone. Um, Kim, thanks again for having us. Um, let's just, uh, I'm going to start off with some quick introductions. Kim, would you please introduce yourself? Kim Tierra with Astronic Industrial Controls, president and uh, owner. Been here for about uh, 26 years now. Right on. And you are joined by, please introduce yourself. Simi Tierra, daughter of Kim Tierra. I've uh, been with Astronic for, I think, going on six years, maybe seven. I've not, right on. Ke- not keeping track. Um, title changes with the requirements. Currently outside sales, but uh, on maternity leave as I am taking care of my baby boy, Danny. Really? Really, really. So you broke Matt leave to come talk to us today? I've broken Matt leave to do lots of things <laughs> for this company. Wow. Let's not get into that. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, I really appreciate you coming in. Thank you so much. You are very welcome. Uh, and also from Trillium staff, Shannon. Hi, I'm Shannon Miller. I'm a program officer at Trillium Network for Advanced Manufacturing. Thank you for talking to us today. So, Kim, when I first approached you with this... I had I was very contrite in the sense that I was like, hey, Kim, I know you've got a lot of insights and a lot of data on what we're talking about. And then I asked, would you be okay if we came to your company during this covid thing? And I found your response to be very refreshing. Would you uh, remind us what you said? Because I think it's I think it's a very I, I think you reflect I think you expressed very clearly what most of the business world thinks. Well, you know, we're we're in a pandemic right now, but business has to continue and we have to continue uh, looking at new ways and new um, methods of continuing our business. So we can't stop meeting people uh, and and looking at ways that we can continue what we are trying to do as business owners. So this was just one. This is just one meeting of many that we've had here at the office. Yeah, and I I really do appreciate it. And for those of you listening, I I feel I should give you kind of a lay of the room here. Um, We are unmasked, but we are all speaking into microphones, which are covering our faces, into pop screens. So this is, I think, one of those examples of, hey, let's just make this work, right? Because for a podcast, um, and Simi, I believe we're going to talk about in a minute, you have been doing some work on podcasts, right? And there's no replacement for being in the room, is there? I would say no, no. We got to do what we got to do, but which is why when I say thank you for letting us be in the room, Kim, I mean it. Like I, I've known you and Astronic for a while and I know I approached you initially to talk about the woman's report and we will be getting to it. I do also want to talk a little bit about, let's talk about the prevailing reality in COVID-19. What are some of the challenges you've been facing? What are some of the solutions we've had to come up with and what isn't going to go away? What's it like for you? Well, I think at the beginning of this, I think we were in a state of uh, sh- shock, I guess, because we had never been in a situation like this before. And and then it was, you know, how was this going to look going out from, from the beginning, you know, mid-March when this first, we went into lockdown. And, you know, being a business owner, 
you know, how is this going to affect our business and our industry as a whole in the country and just globally? Um, so there was that initial um, shock and, you know, a little bit of fear as well, because we really, it was such a huge unknown for us. But um, we approached it from, we were deemed as a, an assess, uh, what was that? Essential fra- service. Essential service, yeah. yeah. So we were, you know, we, we were given that sort of, well, I, I don't know if it's a designation, but because through what our customers were doing, we were allowed to continue working. So we just, you know, had to sit down with our, with our, with our, with our family here at Astronic, and we simply said that, you know, this is kind of like what we're looking at right now, and who knows for how long. So, as we are, you know, we need to protect our families at home. So do we need to protect ourselves? This, our family, our second family. So, you know, we're only as healthy as we are all healthy. So. You know, we're very fortunate that everyone here respected that and we were allowed to continue working because honestly, in the beginning, we, we just didn't know what this was going to look at. I mean, honestly, we thought by the summer we would be OK. Yeah. I and here we that. are a year later. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's there's still so many unknowns. So it's pretty much, you know, we're taking one week, one month at a time and, and then just moving out from there. So what are some of the prevailing challenges you're working on right now? Like just some of the nuts and bolts stuff. Well, I mean, we are a company that does distribution, manufacturing, and service, and our whole premise has been on customer service, and that's being able to visit our customers and resolving issues for them. So that's been a um, something that we've really had to evolve and kind of, you know, how are we going to now cater to our customers because we, we can't go see them anymore. So we're looking at new innovative ways to to deal or handle our customers' issues and and look towards growing the company because it's all about business development. You know, as a business owner, that's what we need to do. We need to be developing new business and we have to do that all virtually now. And I'm very much a a face-to-face, in-person type of personality. I I like to be in front of my, you know, prospects and customers. And so we're having to evolve to the new, the new normal now because things have changed. So that's been, that's been difficult, but you know, we're working through it. Um, and then I, you know, just the the new norm. What is the new norm? Just adjusting to that. I mean, we're trying to just, like I said earlier, deal day to day, and then just adjust as we need to. Has anyone been sick? No. Everyone's healthy. No, we had one case. Um, we had an employee that got a call from their son's school and said that someone had been um, diagnosed with COVID, and that they were calling all of the students that were in his class, notifying their parents. And everybody had to go te- get tested. So that was the extent of it for us. We've been very, very lucky. That's good. Yeah. So I guess I should have started with this. Uh, tell me a little bit more about what Acetronic does for the uninformed. Uh, just to keep it very simple, um, if you're making plastic parts, we would be someone you'd want to talk to. I mean, we, we help with a lot of the auxiliary um, equipment and MRO um, products that are used in, in various plastic molding processes. So whether it be injection, blow molding, extrusion, compression molding. Um, We supply a lot of the um, auxiliary add-on equipment to those companies. And then for the mold makers, we for the companies that are actually building the molds for the molders, we supply components, mechanical components and um, electrical fittings. Very cool. Mm -hmm. So now I'm going to go back to the original reason that I reached out to you. And obviously the conversation is going to ebb and flow, but um, about a month and a bit ago, we put out that women in manufacturing report. 
and uh, obviously we're very proud of it. I think, uh, I think, you know, working for the company that authored it, it's got lots of insights. Uh, but the main reason I wanted to talk to you today was to kind of get your insights on it. But actually, you know what? I'm going to go, I'm going to go the other direction completely. Um, before we, before we get onto that, mm-hmm. this was a conversation that Shannon and I were having in the car on the way here. I'm a 40 something year old guy. <laughs> You can share that. I'll Nick. be 41 in June. There all right, we there. Go. Good for you. I'll Good be 41 in June. Guy, white guy, you know, I'm about as, the world's full of me, right? So when we have this report in our hand now, when we're like, okay, there's some cool insights here about women and manufacturing and this and that. Um, I think I'm proud of this. Who would I, who would I want to, you know, if, my boss, Brendan Sweeney, tapped me on the shoulder and said, I want you to do a podcast for Trillium. Awesome. We want to talk about some of the things that are affecting our sector. Sure. Um, we just put out a woman a report of uh, women in manufacturing. Awesome. Let's get some conversations about it. Cool. Kim, you know what I mean? It's just, it's that, I should, hang on, I should also preface this by saying that a, a, a few days ago, a friend of mine posted something. She, she, she posted a thing saying, I hate how sometimes people will just look for a woman. They need a woman on a panel. They need a woman's input on this. They need a woman's input on that. And it's like, and I, I was reading, I was like, yeah, that is, that does suck. Yeah, I hate when guys do that. In the meantime, I'm getting ready for the Kim <laughs> Tiara podcast specifically because, like, am I an idiot? Like, are, are all men idiots in the sense that, like, I, okay, we just got this report, and now I want your opinion on it because you're, you're a woman. And by the way, I'm also going to be asking Shannon to record a voiceover later saying, you're listening to Making It in Ontario. Because I like her voice, but because, am I wrong? Is this something that needs to change? Because I genuinely don't know. And before you answer that, if you would have been annoyed by the fact that I asked you to do this, I would have understood. No, I definitely wasn't annoyed. Okay, so... Definitely wasn't annoyed. Um, I think what what needs to happen is everything that's happening now needs to get to a point where it's organically happening. And it's not happening through these types of efforts or initiatives. But unfortunately, it has to happen now the way it's happening. You know, we have to create awareness. We have to we have to let other women and the younger uh, women know, the girls and the teenagers know that. Oh wow, look at these look what these women are accomplishing, because we are still very young. When you look at our whole um, evolution in manufacturing as as a whole as society, so you know, and men were the ones that went out and kind of got that going, and women were at home taking you know the beavers, you know. <laughs> She was at home yeah. taking care of the kids, cooking the meals, getting them off to school. So when you think about it, we've, we've, we've come so far in manufacturing as a society. So we've got to kind of now evolve as to what does that look like, you know, as far as inc- having women in there. Not including women, having women feel that they can go into those industries and they can take on those roles that were traditionally given to men. Right. So yeah. I think I think, yeah, no, I was definitely not annoyed. I think these conversations need to take place so that we're kind of spreading the word. OK, can I hop in on that? A- absolutely okay. not. Oh, not. <laughs> Is it because I'm a woman? Now? Absolutely. Uh, well, mm. <laughs> Careful. <laughs> no, so please. I think so I think to your question, are you wrong um, that there's an, a difference in intentions and Finding a woman to put on a flyer amongst a group of men, that's a different intention than you and what Trillium Network seems to be doing. 
in being intentional about going out so that women's voices are being heard. And mom is right in that we are still in the infancy of that stage, I think. And there are women, I think, who might look at it in a negative way of being annoyed and why do I need to do this versus another woman who says it's important that I do this, not just for me, but also for the younger girls that are coming up. And yes, we have to do it, but we're able to do it in a way that I think is is, is graceful, is educating, um, and again, is also intentionally being done. Why are you doing it? So I don't think mom agreed, and I'm sorry I'm speaking on your behalf, but maybe it's because I've known you for a long time. <laughs> I don't think it, you're doing it because it's a, oh, this is a great opportunity for Acetronic. That, that exists, of course. She's a business owner at the end of the day, yes. But I think it's also because it's important to her to voice her opinion because she has been in the industry for so long. And there are not a lot of women in the industry, as the report um, I read, and it shows, right, that it hasn't changed since the 80s in the manufacturing industry. So that's kind of my takeaway, that there's a difference of intention. Right. I'm glad you can pick up on that because, like, I'm here now talking to the both of you because I'm trying to, I, we are trying to basically copy and paste what is happening here. You've got multi-generational involvement in manufacturing and your women. It's like, how do we do more of this? Like, and you mentioned something right just now about the, there needs to be intention. What is my intention? And I hope you guys can, you know, I hope you guys know my, what my intentions are, why we're here, but it was that it's, it, when you said there has to be an intention, it's that deliberateness that I think actually it, Shannon, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know where I'm going with yeah, this, I know right? where you're going with this. It's more, we're not here or we should not be in these spaces for the sake of checking a box. Like, okay, we've added women to the conversation. Good for us. Let's pat ourselves on the back. No, the intention here is we see it happening. We want exposure for women and also racialized women, to be very frank about it, within these spaces that we're typically on the fringes of. So, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely not about checking off a box. That I mean, we have been in a position where, um, you know, we were asked by um, some customers to acquire um, a certification for our company. A women-owned uh, association and then also a minority-owned association. And the last, the absolute last reason that I want business is because I'm a woman, I'm South Asian. You know, I want business based on the merits of our company and what we bring to the table is astronic, not because I'm a South Asian Indian woman. That's a last reason. But these companies are looking to check off boxes. So as a business owner, what do I do? You know, so I, I, you know, we, you acquire those certifications to appease or to, you know, to, to allow your customers to achieve their goals. So, okay. So here's my question then. How do we get more South Asian women to own businesses, to run a lathe? How do we do that? Or another way to phrase the question could be what barriers may have existed that you're. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, that's. Yeah. That you're able to kind of articulate for our audience well as a south asian immigrant because obviously everyone's immigrated to canada at some point in time unless we're into uh you know like a a, an aboriginal group but um 
So it's all about getting a degree, um, South Asian. Immig- Which one? Or, uh, oh, a doctor <laughs> or an engineer or a lawyer. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. so immigrant parents, you know, do not tend to, t- well, they don't tell their children to go get a degree or, a di- or sorry, a diploma. It has to be a degree. So it sort of ha- it starts at home. We're not put in those directions where... We're looking at a job as a skilled trade. You know, we're, we're told to, you know, you've got to go to these sort of these roles, these careers. So that's a that's a big influencer. So I think what needs to happen is there needs to be an education or an awareness created at a much younger age. And parents need to be involved in that or be exposed to that type of information as well. Is that what happened to you? Were you encouraged to become Dr. Tiara, if you don't mind my asking? Well, yeah, my father did want me to get a degree, not a doctor, but uh, maybe something along the engineering line. But, um, you know, as life had it, um, dad started this company and I uh, I had a family at the time, my own family. So I had just come here by way of helping him out. So it's not like I, I set out to have a, a career here at Astronic in the manufacturing industry. So now... We start with you and your dad, and now your daughter is sitting with us. Mm-hmm. How did how did we? Uh, I mean, aside from the fact that you know I invited you guys, how did we? How did you end up with a daughter sitting next to you in your boardroom as an employee on mat leave? Well, she started with me about six, seven years ago, and I think prior to that, she had come for a little bit as well. Um, before the six, seven years, you came for a few months and decided at the time that it wasn't something for her. Then she went off and did her own. Um, career choice or sorry not career choice just another um job well it was i was in the financial industry for a little while for a few years and uh i at the time was working on developing or sorry yeah business development in the u.s and it was getting very overwhelming for me and so i had asked her to come in and kind of see if she could give me some time to help me get on top of um the work that i was doing in the u.s she agreed and uh here we are. Well, I guess so. There's, I feel like there's this is so layered because going yeah. back to what what mom was speaking about with South Asians really encouraging their kids to get degrees, I think that comes from them immigrating and then not having the education themselves and wanting the best for their children. And in Canada, it's true that if you go to university, that that is a higher form of education than college. Or something in the skilled trades. But the, I feel like that's a systemic issue in Canada. Um, beca- and they started in you know, they started in high school, right? College applied math. Or, you know, so they start dividing you then. Um, so there's that. Um, but then just to what you said, too, about the young girls. And I wouldn't even say it's young girls. I would say for myself and just all kids in general, I don't think we're aware of how many jobs are available to us at such a young age. You don't realize you feel like there's only 10. You're either a doctor, a lawyer, or a, a teacher, guy. or a business guy. Like You're yeah. so limited in your, in your understanding of what is actually available. And now, even more so, I mean, I, I know I'm not old by any means. I'm almost 36, but... It's not like you're 41. It's not like I'm 41 exactly. That's that's, that's, <laughs> that's old. old. That's old. <laughs> but I mean, now it's if you can think it, it could come to be is where we're at. 
so for lack of jobs I don't agree with that statement because if you want one and you can think of something do it because that's where we live so that's another thing right so you fell into the business so I think yeah back to what you had said Nick South Asian woman how do you replicate that in manufacturing well we were fortunate and I say we because he started the business my grandfather that she was able to go and help him so he was fortunate that he had a daughter to come and work for him and help him quote unquote and she ended up falling in love with the business because of who she is and wanting to help her father that's why she went same as all of us and I speak on behalf of my four siblings because I'm the only one sitting here um (laughs) but we've always been in and out of the business because it's a family business okay parents have to go to we used to call it the unit we didn't even call it the business we used to call it the unit because it was a place we would go so that's what we used to say oh mom and dad have to go to the unit on the weekend okay let's go and we would go and play and oh they needed us to sweep so then we're sweeping and oh Uh, Yuri our electrician well he's left some stuff because he wants us to cut it and he knows we're gonna so we're cutting wires right and it's all a game to us because it started at such a young age of being exposed to the business slash unit and so it it was always they were so I guess kind kind to allow us to feel like we could ebb and flow into the business and out of the business as it suited us so did we work here on summers paid if we wanted to, yes, we did. Um, if we didn't want to work here, it was available to us. Like to, that, to have that choice and that freedom to come and go. Obviously, as you get older and you acquire your own skills, your education, you recognize, okay, this is a place I can work or it is not. And for me, so I'll speak personally to me, um, I started working here because I was in uh, human resources when I was doing my schooling and there wasn't any human resources because there weren't enough people to be human resource too, right? It, it, most of the people were family and we had maybe two, three employees. Um, and so it was a good place for me to really kind of start my own thing because um, at the time there were no jobs available. A lot of people were uh, either they had to retire or pass away in order for a position to become available in HR or they wanted you to have experience out of school. Um, But I didn't have co-op available to me, so I didn't have the uh, experience. So I started working here and then had another part-time job at the bank that started to flourish for me. So then I went off to do some financial planning. Um, And so I went away from the business, which was okay at the time. And then mom needed my help. I have freedom with my uh, flexibility with my schedule because I was seeing a lot of my clients in the evening. Um, And so I was helping her during the day. And also, again, I was in a hard industry. It was 100% compensation-based or commission-based, 100%. And there were ebbs and flows to that, and I was living on my own, and there were some tough months. And so, Mom, can I help you out? And she allowed me to come back to help her. That acclimatization, you kind of dipped in, dipped out, learned, that's a job, this is a job, and you did that at a young age. I'm no expert, but I feel like that is something that just that slow education is like, hey, check this out. Casual. Like you kind of put a uh, you kind of put Astronic in the professional friend zone. <laughs> yes, yeah, I did. Right? Look at it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Which is fine. Right. <laughs> I did. So, and that's fine because now, I mean, you know, things worked out. You got a better under. Is, is that fair to say? Because I think if, if that worked for you, that slow sort of acclimate acclimatization. 
This is one of those words where if I was typing it, it would make me sound a lot more intelligent. But now it I'm might be. To... A it's a good one. It's a good one. Yeah. No, I think I actually think you, you hit the nail on the head. I think I've never thought of it that way. No. Um, but calling it the friend zone. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I I think I did, and it was. Um, and I was never chastised for it, I think. And I don't know if I've ever told you that. So not being... Um, Did you want to thank your mom, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> thank you for that. Because I, cause I've never felt like I was being judged for leaving and then wanting to come back. And I think you respected that I stepped away when I knew it was kind of no longer for me and maybe I wasn't adding any more value. And then coming back when I felt like I was ready to commit again. Yeah. Yeah. If that's fair to say. Yeah, no, and I, yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't want any of them to be here if it was something that they were not happy with because you have to have a certain certain level of passion or drive for being at a company. And, and then I think I wanted to add something to what you were saying earlier. So we also involve the kids in trade shows. Mm. And I think that outside of Acetronic, it really helped them develop their social skills um, because, you you know, you know, at a trade show, you're having to engage with with customers or, or bring people into your booth. And, you know, there were times where the four of them would be there and and they're, you know, they only knew a certain percentage of what Acetronic does. But having that confidence and that ability to reach out to people, you know, that they don't know and kind of reel them into the booth and have a conversation with people. So I think that really, really helped. Uh, for them, it was a lot of fun. You know, yeah. you got to uh, be in this trade uh, environment, but it was a lot of fun for them. And I think that really each of them, because all of our kids are very, very, they're very extroverted. They're very social. You can put them anywhere and they can have a conversation with uh, with virtually anybody. So I think that's another skill that sort of came by way of them, you know, coming and working here and there. Well, you must have done running. something, right? Yeah. And oh. with experience like that, yeah. who needs a co-op, yeah. actually? Yeah. Yeah. No, and we, you know, I had a lot of large accounts come to me afterwards and say, Kim, we, we couldn't believe the level of comfort that your kids had in the booze and how, you know, how well-spoken they were and how engaging they were. So, yeah, that did, um, yeah, that, that you know, gave us a level of um, that, yeah, okay, you know, a little pat on the back that we did something right with the kids. I would say, though, a lot of the reason why, like you said, you're a woman landed in manufacturing. For us, for me, um, it's the story. I'm so in love with the story. Grandpa came, started a business because he was having a hard time getting a job because of the discrimination. This was back in the 70s. Well educated. And she said, well, you need a job. Why don't you start a business doing repairs? So he did. And he did it because he needed to feed his family. That's why he started it. And then mom took it and made it like a business business. She marketed the hell out of the company and did what she did best. And she loves the story. And now I'm sitting here and I've got a son. And should this company continue to thrive, whether or not he comes to be a part of it is kind of not the point. But I think... If Acetronic gets to celebrate 100 years and we've been doing it for so long and our customers have become our friends and we're we're not really, we're not, we're helping friends do what they need to do. Like the story is just, is what I'm so in love with and what keeps me 
engaged and driving, like it keeps the drive going. That story is actually why I'm here. So let's talk about that story. Let's talk about Grandpa, Papa. Um, Tell me about it. So day one. Yeah, well, it's pretty much what Simi had said. I mean, he immigrated from from England back in 74. He was working with British Airways in England, and he was offered a job by C.P. Air. I don't know if you know C.P. Air. I vaguely remember that, yeah, (laughs) being, you know, nearly 41. So, yeah, Yeah. I I vaguely remember. So they um, offered him a job, and... um, he came over in 74, took a look at Canada and loved it. So then he brought us over, the family over, and um, introduced us to Canada. And it was summer and it was beautiful here. The weather was great. So we immigrated over. I think six months after he arrived, CPR didn't hire him for whatever reasons. Yeah. They offered him a job and then just welched? Just, just welched. It didn't work out. Yeah. So he did get a job as an instrument technician, was laid off from that. And he was he was a visible minority back then. So this is now we're 77, 78. And he had he had a turban. We're Sikh by background, South Asian Sikhs. So he had a a turban and a beard. And um, he had exceptional experience from his job um, at British Airways being an instrument technician. But he couldn't get anything. So my mom is the one that said, why don't you start doing what you were doing for British Airways? You know, it's instruments are instruments, you know. Why don't you go out and start rep- doing what you can for other companies? So she was at the time working for a plastic company. And uh, she brought home some of the instruments, which were temperature controllers. And he replaced, he repaired them, lickety-split, at a, at a very, very low cost. So they started sending more and more and more. And they, in fact, said... You know, you need to tell your husband to charge a little bit more because he's not going to make any money from this. So and it was just word of mouth. It grew from that. And um, over, I guess, a couple of years, uh, I started with him. And then, um, it ju- you know, there was all these UPS packages, pure later packages arriving to the house. Um, and she said, you know, you need to move out of the house now. And that's when we got our first unit, as the kids used to say. Uh, we used to call it the unit because it was a unit. It was one singular, you know, 1,700 square foot unit. And um, and because he, he gained the trust and, and the respect of his customers, because he wasn't looking to to make a huge profit. Honestly, he was looking to be able to pay, pay his mortgage and feed his family. That was the whole premise of, you know, earning this income. So he wasn't looking to get rich. He was just, it was a means to an end. And people respected his integrity and his honesty. And because of that, you know, okay, Harb, you know, can you fix this controller for me? But can you see if you can find me this part? And so these parts led to us becoming a distributor for for some of the key products that now we offer to the plastics industry. And then we also started manufacturing. So he started some light manufacturing Um because we were preparing some items that could have we could manufacture, and customers said, you know, why don't you guys start building these? So our, our customers played a big role in, in our evolution as well of Astronic. And um, he's just, uh, when I came on board, you know, I, I think it's really important when, when we talk multi-generational, it's very difficult, and I think a lot of multi-generational families aren't able to continue because the passion isn't there there needs to be a passion for the business you know my dad started it for his reasons and then when I came on it struck a chord with me because what he was doing was he was providing a service to these 
these customers of his and they were entrusting him to make sure that, you know, they would be up and running within a couple of days. And so there was that sense of trust and um, su- respect and support. And so they they helped him grow, but they helped him grow because they trusted him and, and he pr- he he was able to deliver. And that sense of fulfillment and that the joy that comes from that, and it is joy because I feel that when we when we satisfy our customer or when we've solved something for a customer, that honestly resonates with me. So that was my passion. You know, the Acetronic was able to, oh my God, look, we can re- solve this problem and we can do this for this guy in a day when someone else can do it in two weeks. So that that was what what touched me and made me gave me my drive to continue that for our customers and develop more customers because of what we brought to the table for them. And um, so I think it's very important in multi-generational, general, uh, multi-generational businesses. You've got to have that passion. And it may not be there, which is fine. I mean, we're just fortunate that, you know, Simi's found her kind of niche or her her sense of drive for Acetronic. But it may not be there for other children you know our our other children are here they come and go but any family business you you don't know and there's been many companies that my father knew of that have not had children take over the businesses and they are now in their late 70s mid 70s and I see them occasionally and they say to me you know Kim your father Harb was so fortunate that you were able to to step in and help him look at us you know we can't sell the company you know we don't have none of our children are interested which is sad you know, because they put in years and years of, of hard work and they're not able to pass it on. So that's a cool story. My grandparents came here in the 50s. And I, 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 I talk about this story, actually, in the previous podcast I did. Uh, my grandfather built the home that my parent, my mom, my mother and my uncle lived in. So she came here in the mid 50s. So she has no trace of an accent. My father came here in the 70s when he was in his 30s. So he does have an accent. So I caught just that tail end of that, like, when my mother was a child, she wasn't, she was embarrassed to be heard speaking Italian, right? Where it's like, you know, my mother, my grandmother would, they'd be out in the store and be like, hey, Lena, what? my mom would be like, stop. They're going to tell, they're going to know that we're not from here. And it's like, I hate it. that institutional, it's not even, I don't even want to call it racism because it's like. It's just a form of discrimination. Yeah. Yeah, you don't, I mean, yeah. racism sounds harsh. You feel like you're always pulling that race card, but it's it's discrimination, and discrimination yeah. is not race-based. Yeah, and just, I'm, I'm sorry if your father had to deal with any of that. I know my father had to deal with some of it as well, where it's like, you know, he was a journalist, and it's like he ended up becoming the vice president of news for Omni Television back when it was Channel 47. Mm. He was the anchor for the Italian news. And, like, during the board meetings, he would have to deal with a lot of that BS where it's like, I oh, will just fill it in with some, you know, Sunday morning pasta show. And I'm just like, oh my yeah. goodness. This is a board meeting, guys. Some like, come on. Show. You know what I mean? Like, it's just. It, Delicious, it, but rude. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it is an equal amount of both. So. Yeah, I'm just, I'm sorry he had to deal with that. I'm sorry he had to deal with that because I've seen what it did to my dad. And it's like, now as I'm older, I don't really have those hatreds. You know what I mean? I don't, 
I don't know. I don't necessarily really have to care. Yeah, no. I mean, I think you need to move beyond that because, you know, I was discriminated against uh, as being a woman in manufacturing, right? So there's that discrimination. But you, you can't be stuck in that. You've got to move beyond it and and look at it a way to challenge you. I'm going to I'm gonna shut up now because I think you guys have probably a lot to say about this subject. So, Shannon, I'm sorry. I stepped all over your toes. No, Please sorry, just... Nick. But my question is actually it would bring us into talking shop a little bit because I'm very, very curious about your place within the plastics industry and also a some of the challenges or things that you might be working against regarding narrative around plastics. I know we already started talking about that, Simi, so I'd like to hear oh, yeah, you that, talk yeah. about that. Let, let's start yeah. that again. Okay. Um, did you want to talk about our place? Do you want us to finish up on that or you want to circle back around to that? It's your episode, whatever you're comfortable with. Whatever message you want to deliver. Okay. Um, so what specifically about the challenges in plastic is what yes. you want? The challenges in plastics and some of your efforts. The challenges in plastics and what some of your efforts are to kind of combat those challenges. So maybe I'll talk about one thing that's coming to my mind way and something will come to your mind because I can see she's thinking. So there, um, there's a huge conversation with waste. Uh, so I'm not talking plastic specific waste, but just waste in general. So whether that's electronics, plastics, whatever. So we started a program. We're trying to do our small part, recognizing that there is an issue and there's a lot of negative press about plastics. Uh, we don't produce any plastic waste, but our I don't want to say our customers produce it, but by way of their their processes, there is waste produced. So we you know, we've felt as a company we need to do something our small little part that that helps our industry look better so we partnered with a company in Cambridge they're called Green Tech and essentially what we've done is we've approached our customers and told them to send us in their old controllers temperature controllers and we'll give them a brand new controller at a, a reduced cost and in turn we send that um, old unit to the company Green Tech, and they break that part down. So they separate the plastic, the metal, and then the other smaller electrical compo- components are um, outsourced to a third party that has the technology to dismantle those smaller components. So the plastic goes to local compounders, lo- local uh, plastic regrinders. The metal goes to local smelters. So the whole thing is that our waste isn't put in a container and shipped offshore. We deal with it here domestically. So that's one project that we've undertaken. And um, that's, um, I think we're in our third year for that. That's really doing well for us. And and customers are appreciating that because pr- uh, previously, you know, we're in an age of use and, what is it? use and abuse you know you use something and they you know they say they don't things aren't built like they used to so you use it for a few years and you chuck it and you buy a new one because it's such a good cost so this is a way for them to you know make sure that it's actually being disposed of in a in an ethical way that sounds awesome how who else is is anyone else doing this or is it like not that i'm aware of not not for this specific in our industry no not that i'm aware of and how hard is it to get this something like this going because this sounds awesome not difficult at all that's awesome. What was the name of the company again? Green Tech. Green Tech. They're based in. Uh, they're based yeah. in Cambridge. Cambridge. Yeah. Shout out, indeed. Great, uh, great program. So we're also trying to. Um, 
there's a lot of good news stories out there about what's happening with plastic waste. So we want to start highlighting those on our website. So that's something we're working on right now. You know, there's um, a lot of products that are being used from recycled plastic, or sorry, being manufactured from recycled plastics. So that's, um, you know, we're starting to gather that material and kind of put that on our website, feed it out through our social networks and, and kind of let people know there are good stories because plastics isn't going anywhere. Let's face it. It's here to stay. Uh, I don't think you can go five minutes in a day without touching something that's plastic, got some sort of plastic in it. So, you know, I think the responsibility lies on everybody from the from the raw material provider to the manufacturer, right down to the consumer and then to the cities, you know. So everyone has to play their part. So I don't know if you've thought of something else, Simi. No, no, that's good. Um you look like you were thinking about something else before your mom stepped all <laughs> over your toes. No? No, no. I was just thinking about what Shannon might want me to talk about in regards to those couple of interviews. Yes, ah, I think yes. that would be great because what I'm hearing now is that there needs, we, just like with everything else in trying to create a more diverse industry in general or sector, being intentional about that, just like you need to be intentional mm-hmm. about disposing of um, these parts. So, yes. So what what sparked it was the conversation regarding straws specifically. And I guess that was two, three years ago, some picture. I'm not on social media, so I wasn't aware. I wasn't sent it um, of the turtle with a straw in its nose. Yep. And then there was this initiative done by some young girls in an elementary school in the area in which I live. And it was it was an article that was in the paper and I read it and I. One, I was moved by what the girls had done and what they had achieved. But then on the flip side, I thought, I feel like they're not educated on plastics and the responsibility that everybody has in regards to waste in general. So I feel like a lot of where we're at as a society is lack of information and, yep. com- and, and looking at the complete picture. It's so easy to just have an opinion and Boy, be howdy. very, and honestly, be very knee-jerk reaction yeah. instantly because now everyone's allowed to have their opinion publicized on their social media and everybody's yep. very important. Not that I'm putting them down for that, but it's take a minute, take a minute and sit with it. And what exactly, what extent do you know about any of these things you're about to have an opinion on? And look at the whole picture, take a step back. So... So I thought, you know, oh, I should I should start I should start because all great ideas are so easy to have. I should start this whole initiative and I go around and educate all these little kids on how plastics works. And I'm like, how interested are they going to be in hearing about plastic? And then I thought, okay, well, anyone can do a podcast because everybody's allowed to have an opinion. So maybe I'll just start interviewing people. So because of the industry we're in, we've got access to so many of our customers who would just be delighted to talk about what they're doing and their initiatives to reduce their waste consumption and how they're trying to think in a different way because everybody has to be responsible, like mom said, from the raw material makers, manufacturers, to the people that are actually producing plastic, to us, using the plastic and disposing of the plastic. So... Um, I really wanted to do that. It's not that I'm not doing it any longer. I've got the two interviews, um, but, you know, I'm I'm really enjoying my time with my son and trying to be very present in that and not work at the same time. 
because the time goes so quickly and I, I owe that to him and I owe that to myself to, to be there. And there are other moms that, that do it other ways and it's, it's not to say anything against them. This is what I just try to choose for myself. So I'd like to pick it up. I've got a whole bunch of, of people on my list that were open to an interview and talking about what they're doing. So I would definitely like to pick that up and then put that on our website to make it available to whomever would like to hear it. Obviously, try and get it on Spotify and all those um, different platforms. I think that's great because at Trillium, we're very big on learn to teach and also raising awareness. And there's an audience for everything. So I do think when we were talking about it before, I was like, that is a really good idea because most people wouldn't think to consider what the positives would be because we're only ever really hearing about in recent years the negatives yep. so i think that's a good idea and it's uh, uh, like part of part of doing it is changing it's not changing people's perspective i think everyone is so tied to what their opinion is and they don't want to be swayed but everybody is able to take a second to shift their perspective just to hear Believe what you want to believe at the end of the day, but don't be ignorant to not listening to a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Everyone's entitled to an informed opinion. An informed Thank you. opinion. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I have to say that I think the pandemic has really shed a light on the manufacturing capabilities of Canada as a whole. Yep. And they've shown the importance of plastics. I mean, where would we be uh, in the fight against COVID without plastics? ventilator parts face shields yeah the bottles that our sanitizer and disinfectant comes in like plastics saved lives literally so i think the uh, the ontario government has really done a phenomenal job in in showing showcasing canadian manufacturers and this whole you know ontario made program that uh, cme has put out there it's i think it's shown the ordinary citizen of canada and these are future people that are or children that are also watching this and you know i'm sure there's conversation around the house that oh my god did you know that we could make these parts in canada oh did you know we have these many manufacturers like just that conversation to the ordinary citizen having them realize how much we can do how many things canada makes because at the end of the day a good manufacturing sector reflects on our economy so the stronger our manufacturing sector, the stronger we are as a whole. So I think there's been a lot, I think a lot of education will come out of what's happened through pandemic as it relates to manufacturing and how important it is. And then also, you know, how important plastics is. Yeah. I like the fact that you guys are saying that it's it's not a, uh, it's about a re-education on plastic. Because I think that, um, I, I think plastic now is likely going to be looked at the way I think we look at like fossil fuels today compared to like 30 years ago. And it's like, I'm glad there are people like, well, like you, cause you got the podcast. I mean, not, <laughs> not Kim. I'm glad there's, yeah. So, I mean, I'm glad there's, I'm glad there are people leading the charge and actually putting that information out into the zeitgeist because it, it, it is critical. Um, yeah, we're not going to get rid of plastic. The solution like, okay, maybe we can switch to biodegradable straws. Fine. But like, I don't want I don't need this microphone pop screen to be made out of solid steel. You know what I mean? I, I don't. And I, I, I'm sorry, but there's no way in heck a turtle is going to be eating this pop screen. Right. So, yeah, I, I, I like the fact and I also appreciate the fact that you've got an uphill battle because no one likes to be educated, especially about the subtle t- differences. It's Oh, it's plastic. Yes, but it, it's a very specific kind of plastic. 
ah, it's, it's all the same. No, yeah. no, it, it really isn't, you moron. Anyway, so I, I appreciate that. Um, I feel like at some point we should actually sit down and get your insights on the actual report because that is the reason. <laughs> did we get it right in the report? How much did we get right? How much did we get wrong from your experiences? Well, I, don't, I don't think it's right or wrong. I don't think there's anything right or wrong. I think I think the I found the article um, very educational for me, even me as a woman in manufacturing. Mm, go on, please. Um, well, I like the fact that you were able to spotlight the the five companies and what their initiatives are. Um, Hondas, I really um, I knew nothing about. Honda is actually a customer of ours, but they're they're women at Honda initiative. What I liked about that the most. I'm just going to pull up my notes here, um, was that they were doing the the Women at Honda event, so inviting locals to come and attend, have a look at the, the facility, so doing the tour, having some refreshments, having, I guess I would assume, would be some type of PowerPoint or video um, spotlighting Honda, and then allowing them at that point to make a decision, am I interested in applying? Maybe I am. And so that's available to them. But then further to that later down the road is that the women that are maybe in this, I think they were calling it a cohort. Is that right? Mm-hmm. That they've now formed some type of camaraderie, camaraderie, sorry, camaraderie. And that is, I mean, if I, if we are in a meeting, if I'm in a meeting, because I guess this goes back to actually what you were asking before, like what would make us feel more comfortable? Was that the question? Yeah. If I'm in a business meeting um, in a plant or I'm on the shop floor and it's a, a man and a woman, I feel like the dynamic changes so much for me specifically. Whether she feels it or not, I don't know. I know how I feel. This other f- fictitious woman that I'm talking about yeah, on that, the shop floor. Yeah, that's not an uncommon feeling. Okay. And I, like, I worked in HR at an auto plant. Okay. And people absolutely, their attitude shifts whenever you enter certain rooms. Um, even for production operators, the energy does change a little bit. Because you're like, oh, okay, another one. Okay, great. Yeah. And I'm I, not by myself here. And I always... <laughs> it's probably silly of me but i do say oh it's so nice to see a woman like i have to say it out loud i don't know why but i feel so compelled to be like huh nice to see you very nice to see you like because it it softens it for some reason um and it's not that i'm uncomfortable i'm not uncomfortable in an entire male an entire male dominated meeting or circumstance. I used to work at Chrysler assembly plant in Brampton as a, as a temporary part-time student. Really? What years? Uh, 2016, 2017 HR. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So I was a student in university. So this is going back a a while, but I hired like the university. Okay. 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 So, so I totally comfortable. Like I, well, I became comfortable in that setting. Um, You weren't initially? No, no, but that's, let's, that's, a, that's, that's another a, podcast. That's a podcast <laughs> for another day, but no, okay. I wasn't. Um, lots of sexual harassment, lots of derogatory terms, lots of things, uh, lots of things, d- lots of things. But I will say, and I did, I did tell my mom, I said, I feel like it set me up to be comfortable to work in this industry. That's sad. Yep. But true. And Honestly, I had a I had a much thicker skin going out there and I was it's funny because you don't even realize sometimes if you're being sexualized because you're so used to it that you don't even realize it's happening. Yeah. 
I say yeah as if I have any personal <laughs> experience. Of yeah, you'd be shocked at the stuff people say to you when they don't know you work in HR. You'd be very surprised. But yeah, I completely understand where you're And I had. From. There was one specific circumstance that I have not even been able to share with my father, who works for this company as well, as to why I no longer call on this specific customer because of how bad it was. And I'm telling you, I've got a pretty thick skin and I can kind of throw it back at the majority of them and we'll laugh it off and I'll say whatever to myself in my car but this one really rattled me to my core um well and guess what I have to put up with it why because we need the business where's the HR for the outside salesperson so if I go and tattletale or complain to their HR what do they care as the company for an outside person so to change the dynamic I would think it would always have to be two people that you're meeting with, not one, so that it's never a one-on-one. And if there can be a woman present, there should be. Because unfortunately, as progressive as we might be, we're still not quite there yet. And there's still men that are taking advantage of those situations. Yeah. No, it's 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 extremely sad, you know, when you, she's speaking the truth. I mean... Uh... I've been doing this now for 26 years. It's not as prevalent as it was before. And honestly, I think it's, it's almost like normal. You just, okay, it's done, it's said, and then you just kind of shrug it off and you just keep moving forward. You don't, um, it's very unfortunate. And I remember telling her, like, tell me this is happening to you. And she'd be like, just pretend like you don't hear it. And I am not that person. We are very different personalities. But also, she is given a lot more respect than I am. I know I've seen it happen in the industry because she carries herself very differently and she's she commands this respect. But I feel like because I'm a younger woman in the industry, um, it's different and she's been around much longer. She knows a lot more people. And so that's different. But again, personality wise, we're very different. Whereas if someone said something to me nine times out of 10, I'm throwing it right back because I've got my Chrysler experience under my belt and I, I learned to do so. Um, whereas mom will, you know, classy lady will just pretend like she had, didn't even hear it and carry on the conversation. I can't unhear things. Like once you've said it, you've now made it uncomfortable for me. And why should I have to carry on? This is unacceptable. So, yeah, I, I don't deal with it as much now. It's in, decreased dramatically. Um, it'll happen every so often, but for the most part, it's not there anymore. But I think, you know, going back to your report, the I think the whole sexual harassment policy, it needs to be very, very steadfast throughout a company, right? So it's not, um, it's how you deal as a company as a whole. So whether you're dealing with outside visitors that are coming in internally amongst one another, it's that respect for another human being, right? So that has to be something that's very prevalent. And, you know, it can't be that you have a policy that's on posted on a wall and it's in, you know, it's in a handbook somewhere. It has to be a conversation that's happening often because these are old habits and old habits die hard, you know, and... Um, so it's 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 work that needs to be done and continues to be maintained and and reinforce that message, you know, just respect for one another. It's a culture issue and the culture is what needs shifting. And you only do that if you're consistent with it yes. across the zero tolerance for this. So, yes, I completely understand. So I'm going to speak on behalf of guys here. 
Um, Careful. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You're outnumbered oh. here. Yeah, tackles <laughs> just raised for a change. You're outnumbered for a change. <laughs> no, and I and I'm, jo- I'm joking, Nick. But like, I feel like men should still be able to feel like they can breathe yeah. and mm-hmm. be themselves, right? Like, we can't go so far the other way. Yeah. So I, sorry. Uh, go ahead with what you're gonna say. Well, but. See, okay, as a guy, I have absolutely no frame of reference. I have not gone through anything even remotely what you guys have gone through. I think, yeah, no, I've I've never, at least that I'm aware of, I've never <laughs> been sexualized by my coworkers, not that I'm aware of. I've, I, I don't, I... Are you sad about this? <laughs> I, well... <laughs> What are we really talking about here? <laughs> see, see, here, here, see how we're laughing at the fact that I can, oh, I've never been sexualized. Haha. Ha. I in no way feel in any way worried or threatened. I can roll with this, but how, what are the, what are some things that guys do that you don't even think they realize they're doing? Huh. That's a very good question. Yeah. For example, I always, and I, I've actually talked to Shannon about this. I say guys a lot, right? Everyone does. Hey guys, what's up? So do I. And I'm trying to not say guys because it's a very, it doesn't apply to women. <laughs> yeah. Even though you could be talking to a room full of women. Hey guys, you know what I mean? It's it. So yeah. Wh- I, I'm going to say something to that. So it's eye contact. If you, I mean, I've gone into rooms where, and I'm in a meeting with, you know, all men and I'm presenting about my product, but they won't make eye contact. Or their body language is completely, what does she know? You know, what is she going to tell us? You know, I, I need to get to, to my real job because, you know, what's she going to offer? Um, so it's that disconnect that is very visible. You can see it. and uh, But then you see the shift as you go through presenting whatever it may be you're presenting. I'm giving you a very specific example here. And then at some point they click in or something. Oh, wait a second. Oh, maybe, she does know what she's talking maybe about. Maybe I should listen. And their whole demeanor will change. I've gone, I've seen this so many times. And um, so that's, that's just one example. Eye contact and just giving the respect where respect is due. Like, you know, if someone's taken the time to come and talk to you about a product, just because she's a woman doesn't mean you need to not be engaged. Okay, so there's one rule. Gentlemen, uh, maintain eye contact <laughs> when, they're, when, when you're being spoken to. Imagine that. Just maintain eye contact. Okay. Nope. All right. No offhanded comments. What's an off? What do you mean? There's have some sort of sexual implication to them. Okay. Okay. And we're not talking like flat out. Oh, well, how like what are we allowed to say on this? You're allowed to say whatever you want. If I have to put a disclaimer saying, "Oh, caution, language, whatever." And for reference, we won't put anything live until you. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, so I mean, like it's not like men are not saying, and maybe they have, but it's not like, "Oh, your breasts look lovely today." It's not offhanded like that, but it's said to me, "Oh, your hair looks so great like that. It looks like just like after sex hair." Okay. Wow. Oh, um, am I to understand that you're thinking about me rolling out of bed after I've had sex with you, with my hair? That is naturally this way. Now, what am I supposed to say? That is yeah, what do you do with me. that? What are you supposed to do? Uh, oh, thanks. And the thing is, you know, they don't speak to their colleagues like their male colleagues like that. No. So why would you? If they do, it's a joke. And I can take a joke. And I'll be honest depending on the guy in my relationship with him, 
yeah, I can take that joke. I'm not a sensitive person. But I came from a professional industry, financial planning. No one's speaking to you like that. I mean, of course they are in some circumstances, but like now you're going into a factory and you're trying to maintain your level of professionalism and, and then to have someone say something like that to you, you're like, I'm just here to do my job. What does my hair have anything to do with what we're talking about? Yeah. And no, I'm not sensitive. And I think women that address these issues, it's not because they're highly sensitive. It's just, I'm just here to do my job to talk about what we're supposed to be talking about. I can joke with the best of them, but you need to recognize what's appropriate versus not appropriate. That's not appropriate. And so for the guys that, yeah, I can joke around with, I say, well, now you've made me uncomfortable. What am I supposed to say? And then they go, oh, and I'm like, no. And then we shrug it off and it's fine. Because that's the rapport we have. But for someone I feel very intimidated by, perhaps, somebody higher up in a plant, and I know that I'm trying to get the business because they're new, I don't have any rapport with them, what am I to say in that circumstance? What do you say? What have you said? Like, how do you deal with that? Because, like, that, like, I feel like there's no common playbook on that. No, there's not. There's no... No, that's that's a great point, though. There's no playbook. But we're taught we're taught from a very young age. And there's like a couple of female comedians that are doing a fantastic job right now. Which ones? Um, I think it's Nikki. Nikki Glazer. Glazer that talks or maybe it was Whitney Cummings that talks about women like going into the parking lot and looking like Wolverine with their keys between their knuckles when they're alone. Girls are taught this from a young age. Are boys taught that from a young age? No. Mm-hmm. And like they joke about it, but you know, comedians are like modern day philosophers. Yes, and they they're are. talking about real day, like real life issues. These are real things girls are taught. To Oh, a boy likes you if he pulls your hair. What? <laughs> if he pushes you, if he's bullying you. A little girl. Oh, he must be. Lo- oh, he must love you. Like, he- why? They normalize you kind of just accepting certain types of behaviors and that trickles over into the workplace and into the industries and kind of makes it a little bit more difficult for us to stick around as long as we maybe might like to. So, Huh. Okay. Went off on tangent there. That's well, that's, that's the whole point. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. But it's, it's like because I saw this women at Honda event and the camaraderie built between women. And then I was thinking about when you walk into a plant and you see women operators and you feel like <sighs> I feel I feel like I feel more comfortable for some reason is how I feel. And so seeing that, and then, you know, if I, maybe perhaps the cohort of 20 are not all applying and being hired, but those groups of women now have friends and are going to stay longer at Honda because of that versus being the minority and being maybe only one or two women in a factory. Okay. If so that's a fair point. That is, yeah, I, I like that. The flip side to that coin is if you're a guy in that environment, you're expected to shut the hell up and do your job. I've been called the derogatory word for a homosexual many times because I have expressed my feelings in the office, at work, personally, whatever it is. So it's like as a guy and then they'll feel like, oh, look at this guy being all womanly about that. And it's just like, oh, yeah, like when you're in the boys club, 
like, yeah, it's a toxic environment if you're a woman. It's a toxic environment if you're a guy. So that perpetuation of, you know, oh, you got to get someone to just do the job, grind them, grind them, grind That attitude, I think, needs to change, whether you're talking, whether you're treating your male staff or your female staff that way. And men don't feel comfortable speaking out on that because then, again... You're a little bitch. Yeah. I've been called that so many times and yeah. worse. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I, I I would hate to accidentally inflict that feeling on someone else. Yeah, but even, like, uh, your child falls ill from school, the default is that, okay, the mom is always going to be the one to leave work to pick up the child. But yeah. what's wrong with the father leaving work to pick up the child? And there might be a lot of circumstances where men feel like they want to be the ones to go and pick up their kid. However, they're going to be looked at, like you just said. Yep. So, yeah, you're right. It's a There's a toxic environment for both men and women. But I guess because we are talking about the women's report, we have to focus on, uh, on well, that. I don't know that men would have solved this. I don't know that a man would have spoken up and said, hey, this environment is toxic. I don't know that men in general would have done that. I think this, I think, because like, yeah, we're fine with it. Whatever. Yeah. Is it working? Yeah. Okay, cool. Oh, what? He killed himself? That sucks. You know what I mean? Like, I think it is. I think it is. I think women do have to lead the charge on this. And the best thing we could do right now is kind of just get the hell out of the way. Well, it goes back to what uh, mom just said, right? It's the compassion. Yeah. And there was something publicized about the the well, most well-run businesses during COVID were women-owned businesses. Because right. why? Compassion. You have to lead with compassion during a very uncertain time like this. You need understanding. Are you getting compassion and understanding? And again, it's not to write off men as a as a sex, right? It's uh, there's anomalies. There's you know maybe it's a forty sixty split. Who's to say? But in a time like this, to have a report published like that saying that the best run companies were by women, that means something. It does. They have something that men don't have. Yep, and there's data to back it up. Right. Are we missing something in the report, Shannon? We should. I feel like we should probably be talking about something else. Are we missing something? Not to my knowledge. I would like to touch on actually your people that are here, your employees. Yeah. And your team and how you've built your team here. I'm very, very curious about that. Yeah, good question. The normal avenues using Indeed, job agencies. Um, we also work with local um, employment agencies that bring newcomers to the country as well. So they have the ex- um, the know-how, but they don't have Canadian experience. And I mean, my father was a prime example. Uh, when he couldn't find a job, he was, I mean... We took it as discrimination just because he was very visibly different from everybody else. Uh, and they said he was too educated. He was overqualified. But so, and then the other thing was that he didn't have Canadian experience as well. That was another thing. So, so we work with um, employer uh, agencies that bring newcomers. And um, that's kind of made up the, the demographics of our, our workforce here. That's awesome. I'm not sure if that answers your question, It does. It does. I wanted to know about how you build your team here, and that actually helps me because it kind of connects back to your father's experience. So that was good. Yes. Um, I want to be cognizant of time. Um, I've booked an hour. We have been speaking for an hour and 25 minutes. (laughs) Oh, wow. Sped by. Yeah, it it does fly by. I know. Um, Real quick, I just want to quickly um, ask you guys about, I think you guys won an award a little bit ago, didn't you? Cam C.? 
That's the one. Oh, yes. Uh, special Recognition Award. I forgot about that. Yes. Yeah, so let's recognize it special. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about it. What, what did you win um, for? Come on, toot your horn. <laughs> she has a hard time doing that. Pretend you're a man. Toot your own horn. <laughs> Why don't you do it? No, no, no. You really? do it. Okay. We, we had taken on a product about four years ago, which was a disinfectant slash sanitizer. And um, we approached by the company and it really didn't fit our portfolio as such because, you know, we supply auxiliary equipment and MRO products to, to manufacturers. So um, sanitizing wasn't something that we thought would take off. And um, so the company said, you know, try it with some of your large food based companies and see how it goes. So I approached it from the position of having a product in house that could help you potentially reduce your sick days you know when someone gets a a cold or a flu they come in and then it just it just spreads so this was a way for them to sanitize their offices and just reduce their sick days a lot of interest but no real purchasing at all and then so fast forward to covid of this year uh you know we couldn't keep it on the floor long enough but um GM was making ventilator parts and they had outsourced some components to one of our largest uh, customers and they needed to, they they couldn't make them. That was one of the stipulations from GM that they had to have a sanitized, p- full protocol in place for them to be able to produce these parts. So um, they called us in a panic. Um, fortunately, we had it for them, and then they were subsequently able to produce those parts. I think GM wanted them done in three weeks, so the time was of the essence for them, for the for the molder. So we were able to, you know, help them meet their targets for GM. And it was because of that that we got the award. Nice. Fantastic. We were we were just fortunate that we were able to be able to help them. Well, so. Some say fortunate, some say ready. Yeah. So with that, ladies, thank you so much for uh, thank you so much for letting us come into your boardroom and for actually having us here in person. It's uh, greatly appreciated. No, thank you very much, both of you and Nick and uh, Shannon. Appreciate it very much. Thank you. Thank you.